the issue for people like Johnny Morrissey is like they really don't believe they're going to get caught until they are. When people bring a lot of money to the party, Johnny Morrissey brought huge amounts of money to, to that part of, of the Costa, people really are more willing to turn a blind eye. The fear, the level of fear that they had made people keep their mouths shut and pay up, but that is certainly on its way out. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The Kinahan organisation has been financially pulverised after a raid on properties connected to money launderer Johnny Morrissey uncovered what police believe to be the mob's internal accounts, including payroll, lists of assets, associate companies and names of debtors and creditors. A number of charities based around Marbella are now suspected of being part of the Kinahan money laundering machine, along with a string of nightclubs, bars and restaurants. The cartel is crumbling and a recent arrest of enforcer Jared Macken in Spain has firmly placed the focus back on the Costa del Crime, where socialites, D-list celebrities, chefs and private club owners are all trying to distance themselves from the dirty money. Today, I'm talking to Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about Macken's arrest for alleged money laundering offences, about his links to the Kinahan mob, and about the wider financial probe, which is set to be the final nail in the coffin for the Kinahan family. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. It's amazing the last couple of weeks how, you know, were transported straight back into Spain, the Kinahan HQ, really over nearly 20 years. And we're back there with Johnny Morrissey, obviously the arrest of him and the developments um, since that story broke. And with Jared Macken, an old friend of the Kinahan organisation. Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of our attention has gone to Dubai and, you know, you know what's happening there and the sanctions and all, all of that. But, you know... Really, you know, the drugs and the, the criminality, the base of it is remains in Spain and in Europe and really what's been directed, it's just been directed from Dubai. So, you know, the criminal organisations like the Canadian car- cartel can't solely operate without a base in Spain and some of our old favourites, yeah, have, have come back into fashion in the last few weeks, to say the least. And I suppose, um, let's start with Jared Macken and we'll go back then to how important Spain is to the financial heartbeat of the Kinahan organisation. But Macken, um, the only way I can describe him, I, I just found him quite extraordinary over the years, that it's like as if his brain shows through the top of his head. <laughs> Do you know that sort of, it's like his brain is on the outside of his body? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, well, I kind of know. Uh, I kind of have an idea. Um, he's full of tattoos. Yeah, he's an eye in a lay thug from the north of Ireland. He is a prolific social media user, and he has been arrested out in the Costa. Yeah, so I mean, Jared Macken, um, uh, like he's a, a, a typical of a type of person that gets drawn into the the, the Kinnan cartel web. I mean, he's you know. From from Belfast, you know, he was had a terrible reputation for for violence in Belfast. Was associated with uh, various 
dissident groups, um, was your a classic hard man, you know, really the type of people that, you know, at, at one stage would have had nothing to do with Dublin drug dealers. They would have been extorting money from them. They would have, you know, back in the in the eighties or the nineties, these guys probably would have been at the pinnacle of of criminality in a way. Um, when the provost really, you know, held ha- sort of held an overview of it, um, he Macken uh, left Belfast when he became a suspect in a murder. Um, that he was ultimately charged with. He relocated to Tala at that stage. Um, he was charged with the murder of, of, of Eddie Burns and convicted of it uh, in the Special Criminal Court. Um, Eddie Burns was a taxi driver who was shot dead in Belfast. Um, but ultimately, um, Macken got... Uh, the sentence was was quashed mm. uh, in 2010. Um, a, a retrial was ordered, but it only... The conviction, you mean? The conviction was quashed. Yeah. A retrial was ordered. The retrial briefly went ahead before, uh, you know, not not proceeding. So at that stage, Macken was obviously associated with dissident uh, Republicans, um, but he drifted into Ireland and really became a, a real genuine gangland heavy, I suppose. An enforcer, really. An enforcer, both freelance and for drug gangs. Um, He popped up in the next stage when he came before the courts, really. Although his name was being reported and we were writing about him, mixing with, um, mostly with the Keen Colopy gang members in Limerick, um, he popped up in in 2017 when he was... um, He was... uh, he was convicted of assault, given a, a three-year jail sentence for a horrific incident where um, a, a businessman from the travelling community was effectively uh, crucified uh, by a gang while they extorted money from him. And that would have been Macken's uh, modus operandi, you know, extreme violence, extreme threats, and, you know, really, uh, you know, demanding money. So, you know, he went to prison and... Um, but when he came out um, in, I think it was 2017 at some point, the, the Kin and Hutch feud had really kicked off. And people like him and some of his associates, which included uh, Thomas Tossie Fox and Jonathan Kyo and another man who's facing serious criminal charges, they got drawn in by the, the, the Kinnan cartel and were used as enforcers. Drawn in by it being offered money, and that's yes. what they operate yes. on. Just to rewind a little bit on Macken, so he committed, or was accused of committing a murder in Belfast, and was tried in Dublin Special Criminal Court. That's yeah, I think, he, I think he was, and I could be wrong, but I think he was the first person yeah. um, to be tried uh, in that manner. He appealed that then, he appealed that conviction, and it was obviously, he went back to... Yeah, but he he opted for trial. <laughs> I'd like to say in all the legal technicalities, but yeah. I probably don't. But that is an option that's available. So we op- the legislation allows for, in the Republic, allows for people to be tried here for alleged offences in the North. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah. I think he was the first. Um, um, and there, there was also evidence given in, in Belfast, yeah. and that was heard in, in the South. So... Yeah, so that 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 was it. There was it was a complex yeah, trial. The little bit I know about him in between where you're going from then to him moving to Limerick and that is that so the INLA obviously is one of these organizations that has split 
it constantly, there's constantly challenges to the leadership. It's become, you know, the new INLA, the this INLA, whatever. Um, a lot of those sort of dissident groups do split constantly. But he did vie for leadership of it. And he was overlooked, or so he he perceived he yeah. was overlooked for leadership of the INLA down here. And that's when I think he set up the new INLA, which involved himself, Jonathan Kyo, Tossie Fox and various others. Yeah. Now, he was in jail when Jonathan Kyo and um, Tossie Fox and, and another man who's facing charges um, agreed to murder Gareth Hutch for the Kinahan organization. And they also carried out, they're suspected certainly of carrying out other um, uh, attempted murders, that grouping. But they were kind of like became, while they were were INLA as such still operating under the banner of a terrorist organization, they kind of became a subcell of the Kinahan crew. And it was only that Mackin himself was in jail when that all kicked off, um, that they reckon he didn't get involved in those early kind of no, and of course when he did come out of jail, he he was he was regularly up in 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 the Pierce Street area with uh, Caelan Smith, and he was offering acting as muscle for him while he was while Caelan Smith obviously is is serving a, a twenty year sentence for an attempt on the life of James Mango Gately, so he. They became muscle, and they were muscle for hire on a on a wage. Like they were, they were, they were employees. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and that's that. That's what they were. Like mm. it, they were, they were, you know, very feared guys. I think it's fair to say. Um, in, in, and they were particularly operating in the north inner city, in in the heartland of of of, you know, the, where the Hutch faction were based, and. You know the the sad truth about about people like uh, uh, Tossie Fox and Jonathan Kyo were some these some of the Hutches were childhood friends, you know very deep connections with them through family, and all of that. So you know, but they really they they didn't care. They were getting their I think it was was it five grand a week or something money. You know, obviously nobody's uh, paying tax receipts, so yeah, we yeah, yeah. We can't check up the figures, but yeah, Macken. And Mackin was was I mean he had a really really feared reputation and and when he was in prison he was regarded as one of the most the people to be feared the most. So when he was down in Limerick and it was obviously he was in jail at the time the Kinahan Hutch feud um, broke out in relation to that attack on the businessman you described there was he down there working for the Keen Colopy gang or other gangs? Well, he seems to have... Because he did live there for a long period of time. He lived there for a long period of time and he was absolutely associated with... You know, the, the, obviously the Keen Colopy uh, faction was, was really came to prominence in the 2000s, I suppose, and there was older guys uh, who led those gangs who were, would have been well-known in the papers. But as 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 time went on, through the last decade, there was a new generation emerged in Limerick, um, associated f- from the Keen Colopy gang, much younger guys, um, you know, less prominent in the media. And Mackin was constantly out with them, uh, associated with them, and acted as muscle, and you know, openly socialising with them, mm-hmm. updating his Facebook pages, um, and um, you know, he he. He obviously he was been arrested in Spain. Um, it's not for alleged offences over there. He's been arrested over there as part of an investigation into money laundering by Limerick Gardaí. Right. Um. Uh. And it, there is a European arrest warrant 
coming from Ireland. Okay. So while it's a, his association with the Kinning cartel... He just you know, worked for anyone, basically. He just worked for anyone, and yeah. and people, you know, as as you'll know yourself, they need some heavy guy with a yeah yeah tattoos and a funny looking head, as you describe it. I yeah, no, say it's that just myself it is too. just peculiar looking. Now, I mean, when the hair grows, you can't see it quite as. But I have seen pictures of him when he's bald. Yeah, he looks like he has a mus- muscles. On do you know his head. one of those sphinx cats? Do you know those hairless cats? <laughs> That's what he kind of looks like as well. Yeah, they're lovely um, cats, by the way. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we did know he was in Spain because he was posting a lot of social media of him and his partner and family um, enjoying time on yachts. And he was sort of, you know, kicking back out there. He is very much a prolific social media user. And for his age, it's a kind of an age of an individual, you wouldn't expect them to be kind of putting themselves out on Instagram and all the rest, but he very much does. And maybe that's part of his tough boy image and, you know, look at me and I'm for hire. Yeah, I think there is a, an, an ele- a performative element where these guys, you know, they need to be, in a sense, you know, they probably don't like being in the newspapers, but in another way, if they really didn't like it at all, they wouldn't, they wouldn't need to put up topless pictures on beaches while yeah. they're flexing their muscles, you know. Um, so there is a, there is a sense that this is part of his like he lives off his reputation. I yes, suppose. yeah. I mean, when he moved out to Spain, there was certainly a narrative put out that he was going out there to work with the Kinahan organization as an enforcer out there, and possibly he has been. We don't actually know. No. Um, but we do know that he has had enough funds to to base himself out there for at least two or three years. Now. He definitely, um, he definitely wasn't getting a job in McDonald's anyway out there. Or modelling, sure modelling. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, more interesting really to move to Johnny Morrissey and uh, how this money laundering investigation has developed. Uh, we were writing at the weekend how these books, these ledgers have been removed from premises that were raided in connection with his arrest and they are currently under sort of forensic examination in Madrid. But it's believed that they are literally the beating heart of the finances of the Kinahan organisation. And really a lot of the money laundering um, through Nero Vodka, which Morrissey um, was running and which was named by the US during the sanctions. But through other uh, sort of, there's been uh, you know, they're following a trail now into a number of charity organisations, into nightclubs, into restaurants, all along the costa. And of course, it's not surprising that that beating heart of the Kinahan organisation is on the costa because that's where they have been for most of their Yeah, for most of, of their existence. lives. Yeah, for most of their adult lives. Um, and of course, like, it has a not unjustified reputation for being a slightly lawless place, mm. um, you know, even even in terms of financially. So, I mean, Johnny Morrissey, like, if you look back at, at organizations, even like the, the Cali Cartel or other, other um, in, in Colombia or other of the Mexican uh, 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 major drug operations, a lot of these have been brought down ultimately by <laughs> account books, mm-hmm. do you know? Um, certainly the Cali Cartel were and part of El Chapo's organisation was was brought down by by a similar thing because if you're dealing in monstrous amounts of money, um, 
You, you need have to, to write a record, yeah. don't you? You do have <laughs> you to do write have it down. To keep it. You have to write it down. And somewhere. you probably are better off physically writing it down yeah. than keeping it electronically. Yeah, exactly. You have to do it somewhere. Like yeah. you have to have a note of it somewhere. Um, I doubt Johnny Morrissey's writing down Daniel uh, uh, I O U yeah. ten million. No doubt there's. You know, it's it's more carefully done than that. But ultimately, you need a record, and you know, all all money that exists, you know, has to at some point, mm-hmm. you know, go through some sort of banking system. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the look honestly, that that traditionally, that's that's what happens. That's how they get brought down. And obviously, the 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 word that we're hearing is that the Spanish police are hopeful that this will this will. You know, reveal an awful lot of stuff mm-hmm. um, about, you know, what what I mean, what they're calling the biggest mon- money launderer in the world. I mean, that's what Johnny Morrissey has been been labelled as, um, and you know, which, which is they quite say incredible. that um, you see because of the Anchorage Chat investigation, then they have a lot of the handles that they would have used, and they believe that the same code names may be used within these ledgers, um, but they know a lot of them, and they can decipher them anyway because they know so yeah, much. Yeah, and you have times and times and dates of money movements, mm. and you know, obviously in Malaga, where the the Kinnahans were based, we always heard about this this. You know, business is a front, and that charity is washing money, and you know various things like that. But, um, you know, that does seem to be the case that there's a there's a network of businesses throughout all of that part of Spain that that you know you know were 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 being used for those purposes, and yeah. you know the fact that the leadership headed off to Dubai, um. Doesn't didn't didn't stop that going on in Spain. Mm-hmm. Now it seems that there's been there's even socialized and sort of D-list celebrities. There's chefs, private club owners, and they're all sort of being linked now or certainly being looked at. Again, that's not surprising if you look at the running of a mafia. They will, you know, align themselves with socialized with celebrities because that brings to them a legitimacy. And they also will align themselves with local charity organisations because that brings them into communication and connection with officials, politicians, maybe even local police officers. And that opens the door for them to ultimately use what they what they do, which is corruption, offering money and that kind of thing. So it's quite a a well-worn structure, but it's interesting to see it being dismantled. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's gone on again and again. I mean, you know, it just, it, it's gone on. If you look at the history of organized crime in the States, like it absolutely follows the same pattern. And even uh, Daniel's involvement in boxing follows a similar pattern that many, many uh, people have uh, involved in organized crime have got involved in sports. So it's just amazing how much things repeat themselves. And of course, the issue for people like Johnny Morrissey is like they really don't believe they're going to get caught. Mm-hmm. until they are. And the reason that they don't believe they're going to get caught is because all you had to do was open up your Google machine, as people used to call it, type in Johnny Morrissey, and you'd see a whole history of of this guy through the, ni- the 90s and the 80s of involved in criminality. Mm. But amazingly, these people were still welcomed with open arms. People like Johnny Morrissey in, in, in certain parts of the Costa as if this guy was was just a, a, a Robin Hood type of figure, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea that people could, could say, we sure we had no idea when when Google exists. Well, I spoke to a lady called Michelle Usedon last week who is the editor and the owner of a 
company called Euro News Weekly, which is an English language newspaper on the Costa. And I mean, there are glowing um, reports about Johnny Morrissey, his wife, Nicola, um, you know, ongoing reports in that newspaper. She actually herself launched the Nero Vodka gave a speech about female empowerment before bringing Nicola Morrissey up onto stage. Of course, the Americans tell us that it was one of the main money laundering wings for the Kinnahans and that Morrissey was actually the, handing over 80% of the what was trafficked through it, basically money-wise, to Daniel Kinnahan. Now, Euston says that she had absolutely no idea that there was any there was any connection to criminality. She remains completely taken aback Um Despite the fact, I would say she's from Rochdale, and which is actually where Johnny Morrissey is originally from as well. Uh, she says she did, she did kind of know a little bit about Morrissey's background, but she thought that this Nero vodka was literally headed up by Nicola, who was this amazing mm. um, mother um, who was juggling kind of career and family. And so she said a lot of people out there are really taken aback that. Nicola Morrissey was arrested and and bailed, um, and that this is the situation with uh, with Nero Vodka. But you can just see with the connections um, that they had, how they were living this totally double life on the Costa, and they were Nicola Morrissey and Johnny Morrissey had become almost D list celebrities themselves. They'd show up somewhere to a party, usually pay for it, and they would be photographed and appear in the in the pages of, of uh, you know, the social pages. Yeah, I mean, you have to take people at their word when they say they didn't uh, know anything or, or suspect anything, and you do have to take them at the word, particularly if they talk to you directly. Yeah. However, you know, um, uh, like, it is still amazing, and, you know, you see it with Daniel Kinnan as well. When people bring a lot of money to the party, like Daniel brought huge amounts of money to the to the boxers that he worked with. Johnny Morrissey brought huge amounts of money to to that part of of the Costa. People people really are more willing to turn a blind eye. Yeah, I mean let's let's money you know, buys money money buys, money buys a kind it? of but it buys a kind of respectability and a bit mm. of you know it certainly gives you a, a way into places you mm. know. Mm. Well, look, I mean the the Kinnahans arrived on the Costa around the very late 1990s into 2000s, they had settled there. They were engaged with Moroccan cannabis wholesalers. I think they probably made their first millions out of cannabis, shipping it across from Morocco, landing it on the beaches of Tavira and then, you know, bringing it onwards to warehousing where it was divvied up and sent on to the UK to Ireland. They made probably hundreds of millions out of cannabis, but they they made their billions out of cocaine. And they remained in the Costa until 2016. Christopher Kinnahan Sr. was first to leave. He was kind of based out around Dubai and moving around the world more globally um, before that Regency Hotel incident happened. But... After that, that happened in February 2016. After that, Daniel and Christopher Kinnahan Jr. left Marbella for good. But that gives them almost two decades there. Yeah. And that is why it is still so significant. As you say, we've changed our focus to Dubai because yeah. that's where they moved. And that's where they moved a lot of their you know, investments and their money and their business operations. But they did leave behind you know, a very established conglomerate 
Um, and Kevin Lynch, the armed robber, who has been a friend of Christy Kinahan Sr.'s for decades and who worked out in the MGM gym. Um, he was basically the man left in charge. And like over the years, we were seeing pictures of him with Morrissey. Morrissey seems to have been gifted the big um, responsibility of the finances when they moved, when Daniel and Christopher Jr. moved. I mean, they did move quickly. They moved. There they wasn't moved. a huge warning into that. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, uh, the, the the shipments of drugs, a lot of them are coming through Spain, but also, you know, maybe Belgium and Holland. So they, there was, while the, you know, the, the Kinnan family left, there was a, a network of three or four really, you know, of Daniel's most trusted people, including Kevin Lynch. Uh, Gary Finnegan was based over there for a long time as well, may may still be there. Mm. Um, Gary Gary Finnegan would have been... Um, Davin Flynn, Davin Daniel Finnegan's childhood friend who was served a period of time in jail for the arson of a head shop. Yeah. Um, remember those? Yeah, so these guys, uh, uh, Gary Finnegan in particular, would have been, uh, again, another childhood friend of, of Daniel and of Gary Hutch, um, would have been grown up with Gary Hutch very in a very close way. So those guys remained in Spain and continued to, to, to work for Daniel. And, you know, it, it was hands-off, obviously, over in Dubai, but they still needed people on the ground um, because, you know, there's no, you know, they, they, they needed to, Distribute. They needed to 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 collect. Mm. Um. So maybe as as you know as as the police forces move towards the people in Dubai, they're hoovering up what's left in Spain first. And mm. um, there's been major operations uh, across Spain over the last while, um, just showing the extent of the foothold that the, the South American cartels have there. Mm-hmm. Like they actually last week, I don't know if you saw the pictures of where they actually had one of those, you know, the jungle labs that yeah. you see in all the all the films. There was one of them just outside Madrid with a couple of South American uh, sort of chemists would be in it, but like experts at actually processing cocaine. And like, are they growing the coca leaf in Spain? Well, they're processing it and, yeah. and, and doing all that. So they actually had a lab and they... It's amazing. They, because actually, like, my information in recent times is that the Kinahans themselves have been purchasing these large fincas in the Catalonia region, which is up the north, as well as in Tenerife. There is new laws in Spain that mean that if you have a, basically a cannabis club, you can be part of a smoking club and you can grow or somebody can grow a certain amount of plants for you. So it's a little bit of a kind of an opening up of yeah. the legalisation of, ca- of cannabis. And they believe that they can, you know, move in on that market and be there ready to go when it's totally legalised. Yeah. The growing conditions apparently in Catalonia are fantastic. Nice. Um, and that's, I mean, look... Again, all of that trail is being followed now by numerous police departments. Those fincas are going to be identified. Fincas are farms, basically, right. is the, the word for them. They're vast, big farms, and I think they're they're not that massively expensive. Um, but, you know, Cannabis Smokers Clubs, it's called. Um, I wanted to tell you, I was talking to somebody, uh, a contact of mine, who would be very close to the heart of the Kinahan organisation. And uh, I was talking to the individual about the reaction to the Johnny Morrissey situation, about, you know, this uncovering of all these ledgers with everything in it. And 
it is the attitude is it's game over for yeah. the family. Yeah. That everybody else is going to be running for the hills with whatever they can. Yeah. I was told nobody is paying them debts that they're owed. I yeah. mean, you're hardly going to pay up if these ledgers firstly no. are gone. Uh, nobody's paying them. They could be owed up to 50 million. Yeah. They're having massive problems with the payroll, getting the money home, getting the money to people that need to. We've spoken about this problem for them before. Yeah. But... Um, Really, what a lot of people are talking about is the situation Johnny Morrissey himself finds himself himself in. He is a veteran now criminal. He's in his sixties. He knows his way around situations. He has very little to lose now um, because he's facing probably spending the rest of his life in jail. Absolutely. So you know, there's a lot of kind of focus on what is he going to do? Is he going to try and cut a deal? Yeah. His wife is released on bail, but clearly still under investigation. Um, you know, is she facing jail? Well, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, she he seems to be the primary focus, um, but obviously she was arrested and, and released, you know, without charge as far as we know. But, I mean, Johnny Morrissey is, is as you said, he's in his early 60s, but he has young kids, mm. um, you know, the 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 problem for the 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 very top of the Kinnan cartel is, you know, you have to rule that world by fear, and that comes back to why they had guys like Jared Mackin involved with them. Mm. Like they they have to have the backup, the threat to make people pay up, mm. to make people do what they want, and and to keep quiet, and do and to keep quiet, and to and take, yeah, and to take their prison sentences on the chin. Do they still have that? Do they still have enough people to enforce their will? Because, uh, you know, honour among thieves is a myth, really. It is. And so. it's certainly, I mean, there's certainly an attitude that they are goosed beyond belief, yeah. that they have lost control completely. There will always be others to step in and there'll be opportunists now who are sitting on the sidelines who've probably been working with them, maybe who owe vast amount of money and are no longer going to have to pay that. And they will be muscling in on their business. They are so weakened. Yeah, and if you can't enforce it, remember like, you know, just pre the, the Regency, I mean, the Kinnan cartel were having people shot for very, very minor drug debts in Ireland. I mean, really, really small scale stuff. Like it wasn't about the money. What it was, was about this idea that absolutely nobody could cross them in even the slightest manner. Um, and, and, you know, because of that threat, and as you heard even even in some of the court cases involving Thomas Bomber Kavanagh, the fear, the level of fear that they had made people keep their mouths shut and pay up. Uh, but that 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 is is certainly on its way out. Mm, mm. Now, I think finally, I think we'll be more focused on Spain over the coming months than we have been in a long time. Um, you know, there's a lot of people there. The other little nugget of information was there's a lot of people there running for the hills. People who you wouldn't expect who have been linked in financially with the Kinahan organisation who may have turned a blind eye, who may have pretended they didn't know what they were doing, that they are shaking in their boots now yeah. as this, you know, as this money laundering investigation, you know, as it really picks up steam now. Yeah. So, we shall come back to España soon. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Or was it South Africa? That was, that was a Spanish accent, was it? Sorry. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. <laughs> but thanks anyway. Thanks, Nicola. <laughs> 
You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.